kids um, about what they're learning and say we're learning basically the same stuff, although I will say that I had to, change, I had to add some stuff to it. Lynn, was this a challenging assignment? Yeah, one of, one of the harder ones. I actually didn't get a chance to talk to you this week, but I, I can't open this. Another challenging assignment. Yeah, it's really, it's really hard to take uh, kids' material and turn it into a teaching for adults. So, okay. You guys doing good? Yeah. <laughs> good. <sighs> so I have a question for you. I faked you out. You thought I was going to pray, but I wasn't. Um, all right, so do you have enough of Jesus in your life? Right, well, you have to say that. You have to say that. Okay, so, but we're all saying, no, 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 there's always more. We need more of Jesus. That's good. So you're not satisfied. Are you, are you satisfied with your level of closeness and intimacy with God? Are you satisfied with the level of God's presence in your life, with the level of God working through you, touching other people's lives? Those are pretty much all no's for me. <laughs> all right, so then, like, what are you doing about it? Right? That's the hard question right there. The first questions were easy and make, make us look good even, right? No, I'm, I want more of you, Jesus, right? But then the hard question is, so what are you doing about it, you know? Like, um, you know, like, I can remember about a year and a half, two years ago, I was like, man, I, w- I wish I was in better shape. I just wish I was in better shape. I wished it a lot, and you know what? It didn't do anything. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I even prayed. God, is there a way I could get in better shape? <laughs> Have you ever prayed that prayer? Come on, God. You know I'm busy. You know I'm busy. Right? Ironically enough, the only way for me to get in better shape was to do something about it. Right? I mean, this isn't like rocket science. I'm not bringing you like the newest revelation here that no one's ever heard. But I had to do something about it. I had to actually start running. That's my weapon of choice. Um, And, you know, um, I had to stop eating ice cream every night. Things I do for Jesus. And bologna. That's right. Someone was listening a couple weeks ago. (laughs) <laughs> I, I existed for many years on a diet of bologna and ice cream. <laughs> so I had to do something about it. <clears throat> you know, like, okay, so tomorrow is Mandy and my uh, 18th anniversary. We've been married for 18 years. Pretty good. We, jo- we joke that every seven years we re-up the contract. We both give each other an out. So we're still in it. Just kidding. That's a joke. Um, and I... Uh, and really, seriously, honestly, like we we are, um, we're doing well. Like I, and it's not always like that. If you've been married for more than like a week or two, you know it's not always like that. Okay, but but I feel like things are good. But if I had like five years in, been like, you know what, I'm satisfied. Like this is good. Mandy and I were good. I love her. She loves me. We're, we've got a healthy marriage. I think I can I can stop investing so much into this. You know, there's other things I need to grow in my life. I need to think about my kids. I need to think about my, my work. I need to think about, you know, my hobbies, right? I think, you know, I've got the marriage in a good place, and I can just, like, take my foot off the pedal a little bit, right? And, and what would happen, right? We would slowly or maybe not so slowly devolve 
you know, and we would start to, we'd start to grow apart from each other. Like marriage is one of those things that you have to keep pressing the pedal. And see, our, our relationship with Jesus is the same thing. And so I'll just be really honest with you, as a teacher, for, for years I talked about falling in love with Jesus. That was like my cornerstone topic when we were East Coast of Flame traveling. That was always my workshop. Once in a while I'd rope Nathan into teaching it with me, but like it was almost always mine and it was almost always slightly boring, but I was like doggedly determined that this is, this is a foundational thing that everyone needs to hear. And so now like when I feel, when, when I get assigned, you know, pursuing personal passion, which when I was assigned it, I thought meant pursuing your gifts in God. And then I opened it up this week and it's not. It's talking about passion for Jesus. Someone did a bait and switch with me. And uh, I was like, you know, I feel like Christians have heard this topic. Like there's, there's times when I'm sitting there making a teaching and all the verses that go with that teaching are verses everyone always uses. And the topic is a topic everyone's heard and you're like, how can I possibly bring a new angle to this? And maybe you're not supposed to. Maybe it's one of those times God's like, you know what? Just say it again. You know? Like, I don't have to find new ways to tell Mandy I love her, but it's still important that I tell her that I love her every day. Right? Yes. You should all be nodding. Yes. If you don't know that and you're married, then you need to see Lynn soon. Okay? So... I want to press the pedal. You know, the intimacy with Jesus is one of those things that if you take your foot off the pedal, it will go backwards because you and I, we're, you know, we're going to fill that spot with other things. You know, we're meant, we're, we're created to be worshipers. And when we're not spending ourselves worshiping Jesus, we're going to worship other things. We're going to fill up our passion, okay, pursuing personal passion. You're going to fill up your passion with yourself. You're going to fill up your passion with other people, with work, with money, with entertainment, with escapism. But you're going to take that hole in your heart that's there on purpose, and you're going to fill it with other stuff. If you take your foot off the pedal of pursuing passion with Jesus, and, and I, want to, I want to just call us, I'm going to say us because I need this, call us to greater investment in our relationship with Jesus, to greater passionate pursuit of Jesus and who he is and what he has for us. You know, it would be foolish of me to be like, you know, I know Mandy and I know everything about her that I will ever learn, right? That would really be selling Mandy short. And I want to learn more about her. I want to, you know, we just went on a date this week, which is like a miracle when you have four children. Two of them tried to get sick that day too. And I was like, no, you may feel sick and you may look sick and the doctor may say you're sick, but... We are going, you know? All right, I have a small confession to make. This is the one real weakness of our marriage. Mandy and I have been married for 18 years, but we, oh my gosh, I shouldn't say this. You're going to get so many angry emails. How are you doing this? We've never been away for like a night yet. I know. It's really bad. It's really bad. I do not advise you to follow my example in this area of my life. Pastors are supposed to be examples, and that's a bad example. I'm, I'm being a negative example. I should do that with more things in my life. Be the opposite. I'm the anti-pastor. 
So when we get a when we get a date night, man, seriously, the last few years we've been we've really grown. It used to be like a date a year. You know when you have little kids? I could give you all the excuses. But we have been we have been much more determined. Anyway, we had a date. And you know what was great about it? Besides sushi, which I love, the date was great because we got to talk. And when you have kids, you start to realize that conversations uninterrupted are like non-existent. You know, like it's amazing to finish a thought without someone saying your name. Daddy, 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 you know, like, hold on. I I literally have you noticed that you literally start the sentence and and it's when they interrupt you. And so it was great to just like hear her thoughts and and get to hear like her dreams right now and her fears right now. And, and, And I was able to, you know, you know, something I've been wanting to tell you, like here's some stuff going on in my life. That's called intimacy, right? That's called going below the surface. And we need that with our Savior. We need that. See, a lot of, I think it's easy for this part of Christianity to take the back seat. It's easy for it to take the back seat to going to church, to serving God, to doing. But there's underneath that a deeper reality that's supposed to fuel all those outward things. And sometimes we replace that with just the outward things. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we replace the substance with just the form. And, it, and we lose the passion for Jesus. So I want to share with you about this today. And I was, I was reading about marriages and what gets in the way of marriages. And, and some, here's a couple of the things that the research shows. A lack of commitment was the number one thing that steals the spark from a marriage. With one or the other person has a lack of commitment. A lack of intimacy, which we've talked some about. Unmet, unmet expectations, where you have certain things you are hoping for. Bruce talked about that a little bit today. You know, certain things that you are hoping for from God. Apply these to your relationship with Jesus. These all apply. A lack of commitment. It's so easy, Right? To, to, to intend for it to be your number one priority, but in reality it slips. A lack of intimacy, it's so easy to just go through the motions with God. A lack of, I mean not a lack of, but a presence of unmet expectations where you've got stuff that you were counting on. God, I thought you said this, or I, th- I thought your word said this. Or I, and, and there's just like those struggles, those times of struggle. And we can get into a place where those things start to eat away at the authenticity of our relationship with Jesus. And we get to just have a form instead of the substance. And Jesus addresses this in Revelation 2. He talks to a church and he says, listen, I I see the good things you're doing. He says, I know your deeds and your hard work and your perseverance, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. And he really calls them out. And I think this is like a church, if you walked into this church at first glance, you'd be like, man, this place is happening. You know, they got all the stuff. But if you hung around for a while, you might feel like a lack of something core. And this is what, this was what can happen in our lives. And I, fi- I find myself sometimes on, a, on an, even a continuum where it's not just like either or, but it's like, I'm, you know, I can find myself filling my life and my time and missing that connection point with Jesus, with his grace and his love. So God, God led me to Psalm 84. It's actually not in the kids thing, um, but this is a, a, a section I've been studying. And I want to just read the whole thing to you. 
So it's, it's behind me, or you can get your Bibles out. Um, we're going to pick it apart, but I want to just read the whole thing because it goes somewhere, all right? So, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. Now, pause. All right, now, some of you in here might be new to Christianity and you've never heard this before, so you're going to have the benefit of fresh ears. This is a beautiful psalm. For others in here who have heard this a thousand times, let's try to hear this again, Okay? Sometimes that's why it's nice to read it in a different version. I didn't do that because I like this version. But think about the power and the passion that's behind these words. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow, you know, someone way less significant than me, has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself or she may have her young. A place near your altar, God, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house for they are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. I know blessed is religious. Jonathan gets mad at me when I don't say blessed, but I can't stop. It's like an addiction. I apologize. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, and the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Yeah, amen. I love, 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 love that song. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your courts. I read a psalm. I was going to use, I was going to put it up, but I didn't. But there's, there's a psalm where, where David says, there's nothing I desire on earth besides you. And I was like, I, I don't think that's true about me. Like, could you say there's nothing you desire on this earth besides God? So there's like a level of like intimacy. There's a level of hunger. There's a level of priority in David. Now, I think that, you know, he's probably, it's poetic language. Obviously, it's okay to have desires that God's given us. But I'm talking about priority, all right? So first step, I'm going to give you four things from, from the, this Psalm 84, okay? The first one is keeping Jesus first, Keeping Jesus first. Better is one day. There is nothing more important than you. Jesus, when asked what's the greatest commandment, we know this, right? But it's so profound. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And if you go back and read the Ten Commandments, the first four, because he says, That and love your neighbor as yourself sum up all the Old Testament commandments, right? Go look at the first four. He says, don't put anyone before me. Don't build any idols. Don't let anything become a place of worship in your life besides me. Don't take my name in vain. You know, don't let any name go before me. And keep the Sabbath holy. Like, don't let your work or money or time get ahead of me. 
He's saying, keep me first. Why does he make four commands about keeping him first? Because he knows the inertia of life pushes Jesus to the side over and over and over and over and over again. I have the benefit of working in a church. So it's part of my job to read the Bible and pray. But that, you know, it's got its own, it can make your relationship with God feel like work. Right? And you can start to like have this, this weird blend of like, am I talking to Jesus for work or for me? Is it the same? Is it different? You know, it's, it's weird. But for those of you who don't work in the church, I imagine it's another complication of just, like I know, I know talking to teenagers who go to school, when they, when they walk into school, it's, it's like it's school time. And it's hard to have Jesus with you in those moments sometimes. So how do we keep Jesus first? How do we keep him in front of all these things that so easily get in the way? And I want to just challenge you just to look in your heart and look in your life and say, God, reveal to me anything in my life that's getting ahead of you. Is it my security? Is it financial security? Is it, you know, something that I want? A desire of mine that's maybe not your timing right now or not your desire at all? Is it a relationship? Is it, you know, whatever, Is there anything in my life right now, Jesus, that's ahead of you? Is there anything that's preventing me from going deeper? Because we're all accountable, right? We all heard each other say that we wanted more of Jesus, right? We're not satisfied, okay? And then the question is, well, what are you going to do about it, right? Well, one of the steps we're going to take is make everything else second and make Jesus first. God, how do I put you first in front of all things? I'll tell you a practical way I'm doing it, okay? I've decided, and I don't do it all the time, but I do believe in discipline, and I do think that having a routine is not (laughs) anti-Jesus. But if the routine takes first place, then you've done the same thing again, right? So it's about Jesus. But I feel a conviction when I I come to the church and sit at my computer that before I like, because once you check email, man, it's like... You know, and it's like, you know, I got the, and then I'm just writing down to-do lists. I'm, I'm a real scattered to-do list guy. Like, I do post-it notes because I want them in front of me, but then I end up with 600 post-it notes all over the place, and then I have to prioritize my post-it notes, and then sometimes I'll take my post-it notes and I'll summarize them on another post-it note. Anybody else? All right. One of the great things I inherited from my mom, she was really into it. She had different sizes of post-it notes for different things. Have you ever seen those? Like the tiny little post-it notes and the huge ones? Okay. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, right. When I get to work. See? When I get to work, I've had this conviction that I am going to spend the first time. This is the idea of tithing, kind of. You know? The first. I'm going to spend the first time with God. Even though, man, I feel the pull, especially when you know, like, there's an email you really want to read <laughs> or you've been hoping for a response, you know, or, like, you feel the pressure, like, I have to have this project done. It takes, it's discipline. But this is one way I'm trying to make Jesus first because I believe, even though I don't always practice it, that if I spend time with Jesus first, the rest will go better. And I'll actually be more productive and more, like, revelatory-based and have my gifts turned up. Like, I believe this is true no matter what your job. If you spend time with Jesus and allow him to bring energy, Holy Spirit energy to your teaching or your carpentry or your accounting or I don't care, whatever, God, God cares about what you do during the day and he wants to be with you in that moment. So can you put him first even in that? 
Can you put him first in your family time? And so I'm trying to. I'm, I'm, I'm not awesome. I'm not perfect. Remember, I'm the anti-pastor. So like Bruce and Lynn probably are way better at it than me. <laughs> but I'm trying to get that as a discipline of my life. All right. Secondly, I think we need to go with Jesus then below the surface. How lovely is your dwelling place? This is the place of God's dwelling. I love this. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. I read this like as an if-then statement. Like, how can I know if I'm really dwelling with God if I'm ever praising him? So if I'm walking in the time in my life and I'm not having some sort of like praise for God in my heart, maybe I'm not really dwelling in him right now. And I'm not saying I need to walk around actually singing all day long. But if I'm dwelling with him, I am praising him. To be with Jesus is to praise him. Right? To be with Jesus is to exalt his name. Do you ever get that going like that, where you get praise going in the beginning of the day? And you just find yourself going through the day just kind of under your breath praising him or in your heart or that song won't get out of your head. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. I believe that God's calling some of us to go below the surface with him. Maybe maybe we've established some routine. We've We've got a form, but God wants to go deeper with you. God wants to call you deeper. He wants to call you into intimacy with him. Beyond, beyond just like check the list, right? I, yes, I read my Bible and I prayed. Like literally there are times, do you know what I'm talking about? Where I'm reading my Bible. I'm in the action of doing the thing that everyone says you're supposed to do to be intimate with God. And I am yet not intimate with him in that moment. I'm reading. I am praying. I mean, you do this with people too, don't you? Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you just know you're not connecting? You know? I mean, I live in the same house as Mandy. And there are times when I'm like, I don't think we've really talked for days. And we've talked a lot. We've made plans. We've, you know, it's like you, you stumble into running a small business, you know, together. The, the business of your kids' lives. But, and you know, maybe, you know, I know we're not all in the, the section of life where you have little kids at home, but it doesn't matter because when the little kids move out, other things fill. I know, I know, I know how many things can get in the way. And so sometimes I'm even there with the Bible and I'm like, I have to like check in. It's like a gut check. It's like, hold on a second. Sometimes all I can do is just close my eyes and breathe and just be like, okay. It's like a discipline. I'm going to push those thoughts away. Right? Can't you be reading the Bible, but your mind is like, you know, I love that scripture that says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You just, okay, hold on. (laughs) I'm just, let me just, Jesus, I just, I want to connect with you. I need you. You know, sometimes intimacy is more about being than doing. That's like a language that I don't even speak. I don't even understand when people talk about that. Right? The way that I express my love is I do things for people. I'm not a great beer. That's honestly one thing. I mean, you're going to think this is funny because Mandy is probably more of a doer than me. But she, she is someone who has grounded me. She's taught me the importance of like, let's take a break. Like, I used to think taking a break was sinful. You know, the Bible says, redeem the time. 
Like you sit down and you just sit on the couch for a while. You are wasting time. Sinner. I've had to really learn how to like rest. I've had to learn how to say, yeah, let, let's, let's take a break. And, and it's hard for me with God to just be with him. But some of my most profound moments, like I was going on a run yesterday and I, it, was, it was a good run, and it, but I was running past, past this place that kind of throughout my life, you know, when you live somewhere for 39 years, you get some special spots with God. And so there's this special spot on White Clay Creek that I've had some profound encounters with God. And I was just running by it unintentionally. I hadn't planned to run by it. And I saw it. And um, I love waterfalls. And it's this, it's this like little waterfall thing on White Clay Creek. And so I stopped. I paused my runner, run keeper. And I, and I just went out there and just like allowed myself to just stand there just for a little bit. Like, there's something for me about getting into water that fills my auditory, you know, like, that just makes me, like, I don't know, I feel God's presence in that. And then I'm able to pray. And I just wanted to take a moment. It was like visiting, like, a a special romantic spot with God. Sometimes you just have to be. Sometimes you need to just turn off everything that's around you. Sometimes your time with God should be just you and him. Just nothing else. You know, I have a friend who, uh, I think it was last week, did a three-day retreat of silence. Talk about just being and not doing. I think I would start with like a one-hour retreat and see if it was possible. All right. I think there's more to intimacy than just being. Honestly, it's hard for me to understand sometimes what people mean when they say intimacy with Jesus. I don't know if that's true for any of you in here. But sometimes, beyond just, like, reading my Bible and worship, I don't know what people mean. And so I've tried to spend some time this week thinking about it. Like, what does intimacy mean with a person, and how can I relate that to God? You know, so part of it's the being thing. I think part of it is, like, what are you talking to God about? If it's, if it's only, like, let's get this done, let's get this done, let's get this done, let's get this done, let's get this done. Or even, I pray for this person, I pray for that person, I pray for this person, I pray for that person. Maybe it's not that... Maybe there's another, like, level of intimacy that's like, God, you know what helps me to be more real with God is to write my prayers for some reason. Like, those get a little bit more real. And I just write out, like, here's how I'm actually feeling right now in my life. I'm afraid of this. I am disappointed in this. I'm excited about this. Here's a dream I have, God. Here's a dream I'm afraid to tell anyone about. But I want to tell you about it. That's a level of intimacy. You know, another, another thing I was thinking is, is what, does, what do we let God say to us for intimacy? And, you know, what I hear from God naturally basically is just like, you know, do this. <laughs> or don't do that. I hear those real well from God. You know? Conviction. Anybody else? Right? Like, those are my, that's like my language of God. I don't naturally hear God saying, I'm proud of you. I love you. I think you're doing a great job. I just always hear the next thing. Let's do the next thing. Let's do the next thing. Let's do the next thing. What more can I do? It's because I'm performance oriented. I'm an achiever. That's how I relate. And I, you know, I'm learning to see God as more of a, of a father, of a loving father, but it doesn't come naturally to me. I see him as someone, let's go do great things together. Like that's how I naturally relate to him. And there's nothing wrong with that unless it's all I get, Right? And so um, a friend of mine, Rob, challenged me a while ago to start trying to hear from God and writing 
out what God's saying to me about myself. I'll tell you, this is really strange for me, right? But I, I, I try to hear from him and type what he's saying to me about myself. And, but I can't watch it because if I watch it, then it just feels like I'm making it up. Like, I love you, Christian. You know, like, that's so weird that I just typed that to myself. You are so good. Great job yesterday preaching. You know, I mean, that's like my normal inner dialogue, you know. So, um, so it's just more egomaniac. No, I'm kidding. But so how I have to do it is I have to close my eyes, you know. And then, like, God is really bad at grammar and typing. But um, so I try to just like, okay, I'm going to do this just for like a little bit. Jesus. And I just try to be quiet. Just literally whatever comes. And then I try to go read it. And what's more powerful, and this is true, this is part of what Rob told me, is like, wait a couple weeks and then go read it. And it's like, whoa. And it's stuff I probably wouldn't do. You know, but it's something that, it's, it's like a new thing that I'm learning. So what do you let God tell you? I think that's part of intimacy. All right. I want to get to this last point. All right. So I'm going to blend these last two points. He says in verse 11 that the Lord God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does he withhold. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Do you know that God has more than enough for you? You may have been following Jesus for 40 years and seeking his face, and learning more about his presence. But you have not exhausted the boundaries of what God has to show to you. You have not exhausted the boundaries of his revelation, of his voice, of his love, and his grace, and his purpose in your life. I know there's little kids coming in. Bless the children. Technically, I have five more minutes, just so you know. And I intend to use every one of those minutes. So there is more. There's an abundance. We're going to a God of abundance. He talks about, you know, okay. Secondly, he says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. I love that language. This is, this is us. We have set our hearts like flint. We have said, yes, I will press into you, God. Our hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of however you say that, right? They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools, and they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. They're making reference here to the Israelites when they would make their annual journeys to Jerusalem for different festivals, and they would have to go through these dry valleys. And what they would do is they would dig holes along the way, big ditches, so that when it rained or flooded, those would fill with water. And then they would have something to drink. And the people who came after them would have something to drink. And those holes and ditches became the road that people would walk to Zion. And see the beauty of the, of the, uh, you know, the allegory that's there, right? Sometimes we are just pressing into God and it is dry. And we are saying, God, where are you? I'm trying to make you first. I'm trying to dig into intimacy. I'm trying to know you more. Where are you, God? Your voice seems distant. Your presence seems far. And here's the encouragement is just press in. Dig deeper. Get it? 
dig deeper. And you know what's going to happen? Is in time, God is going to fill that place in your life, and then it's going to become a pool or a spring for the next people who go through that. Have you ever noticed that the things that, be, that are your greatest struggles become your greatest sources of encouragement for other people? So this is, blessed are those who are set on pilgrimage. So this is not giving up. When it's difficult, when he feels distant, when you're frustrated and disappointed, you are set on pilgrimage. Blessed are those who are set on pilgrimage because as they pass through the valley, what will, they, what will we do? We'll make it a place of springs. Amen. We are called to bring hope into hopelessness, to bring light into darkness, to bring comfort into grief, to bring healing into brokenness. We bring springs into the valley of dryness. This is who God's made us to be. So don't give up. Don't give up. Press in. God has more than enough for you. Caleb, Caleb had an awesome cameo last night at the concert. Caleb, do you get nervous when you do that kind of stuff? No, I didn't think so. Utter confidence. He's got the same monologue in his head that I do. You're awesome, Caleb. You will do amazing tonight. <laughs> Only men have that going on in their head. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. All right. Let's stand together. Jesus, we've confessed together that we want more of you. That we're not satisfied. That we're hungry for you, God. You, you promise that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. God, we hunger for you. We want more of you. God, I pray that you would help us to put you first to dig deeper into you, to not just keep it as a form going through the motions, but that we would go deeper with you, Jesus. Let's invite you, Holy Spirit, to come into this room and begin to minister right now as we just wait on you for just a minute. Just let your presence come, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Just put your hands out if you want to, if you just want more of Jesus. If you're like, yes, I just feel like I, I, you know, I feel like it's been dry lately. I feel like it hasn't been all that I wanted it to be. Just put your hands out if you just are saying, yeah, I want more of you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. And I, I believe this is more than just a religious act, right? This is, we're asking the living Jesus, our Savior, to come. And he's faithful. He's here right now. We say, come into the hearts of those who are just asking for more of you right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. All over this room, Jesus. God, would you stoke the flames of passion in our hearts, God? I just see it in my, in my mind, just God putting his hand on the word discouragement. I just believe that if you're discouraged right now, he just wants to put his hand on your heart, on your shoulder, and just say, I'm with you right now. 
I believe also the Lord wants to say to you that if you can't see what God's doing in your life right now, it's because he's doing something under the surface. But you can trust that he is doing work in the root system. You might not see the fruit right now, but he's doing work in the root system in your life, and you can trust him. Come, Holy Spirit. God, minister to discouragement right now, God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would renew your voice in our hearts. Renew a passion to hear your voice in our hearts right now, God. All right, I know it might be awkward for some of you just to wait, wait that long, but thank you. We just wanted to pray a little bit. And I also want to say one more thing. If you want to come up for prayer, we, we pray for people who are struggling with sickness or pain. Just come on up at the end of this. If you, and also, if you don't know Jesus, like if you are saying, man, this relationship thing sounds good. I've never had it like that. I've never felt that way before. It's always been going through the motions or felt more like religion. Come on up and let's pray about really meeting Jesus and starting a new, fresh walk with him. Okay? So come on up. Don't just leave. And anyone else who's like, I want more of you, God, or, or I need a word from the Lord, just come on up. We're going to be praying for you. Okay? So, In Jesus' name, amen, and let's go forward, but come on up if you would like prayer.